welcome to the Palmwood Podcast, part of the teaching ministry of Palmwood Church in Oviedo, Florida, where we love God extravagantly, love people with humility, and mentor others to do the same. Here's Pastor John with an introduction for this week's message. Thanks, David. And hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Palmwood Podcast. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. You know, some folks don't understand why Protestant congregations would recite that statement, sometimes weekly, in the Apostles' Creed. In this case, it's not a reference to the Roman Catholic Church, but simply a statement about how the Church of Jesus Christ is universal. In today's installment of our series, Know What You Believe, I hope to help you see the Church as made up of every tribe, every people, every language, and every nation. And yet, we are one. Beautifully diverse, and yet called to beautiful unity in Jesus. In a world that has been so torn asunder by issues of race, injustice, and inequality, the Catholic or universal nature of Jesus' Church is absolutely critical. Well, um, this morning we are looking at the church, and uh, I've got a couple of different scripture passages that I want to read. Do we have just one or do we have two down? Just Revelation? Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to read both. The first one will not actually be on the PowerPoint. It's familiar to all of you. It's, well, I'll just recite it because it's, it's the Great Commission, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, says Jesus. And then he turns to his followers and he says, now you go. And as you go, make disciples of all nations. The word there is in Greek is the word ethne. It means people groups. We're going to talk about that today. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And then he promises he'll be with us always to the very end of the age. If you remember our sermon last week about the Holy Spirit, that's how he's with us, with the Holy Spirit, to the very end of the age. And then we come to Revelation chapter 5, which is the one that we we do have on the screen today. Revelation 5, verses 9 and 10. It's a glimpse into the throne room of heaven. John gets to see some things that one day we all will get to see. But here he simply reminds us um, that this massive group surrounding the throne of the Lamb and of of the, the Father, as they are singing and praising and worshiping, they sing a new song, and the new song is this. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood, listen now, you purchased men, mankind, human beings, for God from every tribe, Every language, every people, every nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. This is the glorious word of God this morning. Um, this, this week's message is based on the phrase from the Apostles' Creed, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, that that requires 
some explanation because there's a lot of people that wonder why a Protestant church like ours would, would say such a thing. Well, it's because the word Catholic here is not ref referring to the Roman Catholic Church. It's referring to the universal church. The word Catholic there actually means universal. And the, and the Roman Catholic Church, they consider themselves the Roman Universal Church. That's why they've, they've adopted that name. But we're not speaking of a particular brand of Christianity, if you will. We're actually speaking about all of it together, the universal church today. We believe in the holy that is set apart for God's purposes, Catholic, universal church, and that's what we want to talk about. But really, this is only one side of the coin. Next week's message and this week's message have to be taken together. Next week, we're going to be talking about the communion of the saints. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time explaining the difference today. You'll see as we get to next week's message uh, why they have to be taken together and, and how they are different. But it really is one of those situations where you, you, can't, you can't tell where the discussion of the, the universal or Catholic church ends and where the discussion of the communion of the saints begins because they really are very much a part of the same whole. I believe in the holy Catholic universal church made up of people from every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. That's the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we are in a season right now, this particular weekend, where we desperately need the church of Jesus Christ to be the church of Jesus Christ with all of its power and its authority and its mission on display. Your timing of, of how this message that has been actually planned for over six months falling on this particular Sunday, your, your timing is impeccable. And so, Father, I just, I have to admit here in prayer, I am not today up to the task. I am an imperfect vessel. I've put together what I can, but this really needs to be your message to your people. And so I would ask, Lord, move me out of the way. As John the Baptist said, I must decrease that you might increase. Lord, I just pray that you can use me as your vessel this day to proclaim this message to your precious people and that it will be more than academic. It will be marching orders. Holy Spirit, anoint me to be the preacher and anoint those who are in the congregation, both physically present here in the room and electronically. Anoint them to receive and apply with power what we talk about today. We ask this in Jesus' victorious name. Amen. Amen. Well, we want to begin by defining the church. Um, the church is not a building. The church is not a club, a social club, or, or organization to which we have membership and we pay our dues. The church, by biblical definition, is comprised of the saved, those who have surrendered to Jesus Christ 
as Savior and Master, Lord, King. Theologian Dr. Wayne Grudem defines the church as the community of all true believers for all time. The for all time part gets us into next week's message, and so we'll deal with that next time. But, but all true believers. You see, the word church is from the Greek word ekklesia. It's a compound word. The first part, ek, um, if we put the letters into English, it, it looks like ek instead of ex, but it's the same as our ex prefix in English, meaning out of or exit, out of. And kaleo, klesia, comes out of the word kaleo, it's a derivation of that word, which means to call. So the church, the word translated church in the New Testament is the word ekklesia, and it means the called out people, the called out ones, those who are called out. And we see this definition in Peter's first letter to the church, chapter 2. Listen to what Peter writes to the church. Speaking to those who are the called out ones, to those who have surrendered to Jesus as Savior and Lord, to those who are the redeemed, who are the saved, listen to what he says. Peter says, you, that's, that's us, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who has, and here's where the definition comes from, who has called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Peter here is reminding the people of God, the, the followers of Jesus, that they once were under, they, they were, were in captivity to the realm of darkness. The realm of darkness operates in the darkness. It operates in deceit, darkness of mind. It operates in, in the darkness of, of the world when, when the light is not being shown. Jesus, as he talks about, talks to Nicodemus about his, his mission of coming. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He, he talks about those who run from the light because their deeds are going to be exposed. There's this realm of darkness, and Peter is speaking to those who've been called out of that realm of darkness into his wonderful light. We can see. We can breathe. You know, I'm, I'm reminded, those of you who know me, you know I really love the Lord of the Rings trilogy and, and the Lord of the Rings books. And there's this scene. I've, I've actually used it as a sermon illustration in a previous church. There is this, this scene where uh, King Theoden is under a spell of worm tongue. And Gandalf, who's a representative of good, if you look at the analogy and how it lines up with the gospel story, it's amazing. Gandalf, the white wizard, comes in and he sets Theoden free. And the first thing Theoden says is, dark have been my dreams of late. Well, yes. That's how the enemy works under the cover of darkness, of blindness, of deceit. But you and I, friends, in the name of Jesus, have been drawn out of that to sing the praises of the one who's called us out into his wonderful 
light. Theologically, the term ecclesia means called out ones. There's also a practical meaning, and we're going to discuss that in just a moment. The community of the saved are known as the body of Christ. You can look at Romans 12, 5, 1 Corinthians 10, 17, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Ephesians 1, 22, and 23, Ephesians 5, 23, Colossians 1, 24, Hebrews 13, 3. They all speak of this life that we have as the body of Christ. Well, it's important for us. If we're the called out ones, if we're the ecclesia, we are the body of Christ. We need to know what that means. It's not just a label. There's, there's really an important piece of the puzzle that comes along with that. You see, Jesus, the second person of our triune Godhead, he came and took on human flesh. He came in a physical body so that he could carry out his redeeming mission on the earth. Jesus came and he took on flesh. He came in a physical body so that he could demonstrate the love of God to all humanity. Jesus came in a physical body to touch people and to convey healing to them with his physical touch embracing the leper, wiping mud on the eyes of the blind. Jesus came in a physical body to be a tangible instrument of God's shalom to a world that desperately needs it. And then he ascended to the right hand of God. But you see, the commission is now that we, the called out ones, as the body of Christ, we are every one of those things to this world. As he came in a physical body, we are now his hands. We are now his feet. We are his mouthpiece. We are his embrace to this world. As the body of Christ, the church continues all these things under the power of the Holy Spirit today. This community of the saved is also called the bride of Christ. Ephesians 5, 24 through 27, 2 Corinthians 11, 2, Revelation 19, 7 through, 7 through 9, Revelation 21, 1 and 2. This I love this term, the bride of Christ, because it speaks to the level of, of, of intimacy that we have with our God because of what Jesus has done. We, humanity was, was created in the image of God for this incredible life of intimacy with Him in all creation, and we blew it, and our relationship was forever damaged and severed. But Jesus has come to atone it, to at one it to put it back together we are reunited we are reconciled with God and we can have that level of intimacy with him again and the way that he conveys this is in the imagery of a bride and a groom it's the same imagery he used in the Old Testament he said that he was a, a husband to Israel we see in the, in the prophecies of, of the, prof, the, the, the prophetic ministries of, of Isaiah and Hosea he uses marriage as an illustration there, Hosea's entire life was a demonstration of God's redeeming love for Israel. The church loves him as the bride loves her husband. I love that Jesus used betrothal language in John 14 to describe this. The church is the ecclesia, the called out ones, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. The church also is the gathered people of God. All nations. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, all ethnic, all people groups. The word ecclesia theologically means those who are called out, but the word ecclesia used in common Greek language means those who are called 
together. And the church is both. We are called out of darkness into his wonderful light, but we are not just called to be out. We are called to be together. We are called to gather. We are an assembly. We are the called together ones. The, the gathered church is comprised in the New Testament of both Jews and Gentiles. There is no longer any separation between Jew and Gentile, between man and woman, between slave and free man. We are all one in Christ. The gathered church worships, again, First Peter 2, verse 9, to declare the glories of him who's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. When the, when the Holy Spirit falls on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and, and the apostles begin to speak in different languages. There were people from all the known world in Jerusalem for the, the, the Feast of Pentecost. And they say, how is this? Aren't these men just Galileans? How can we all hear them in our own native languages? What were they doing? Declaring the wonders of God. It was worship. <laughs> they were worshiping God in the native tongues of all the people around. You see, the gathered church worships God, declares his wonderful works. The church is the great and timeless cloud of witnesses. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail today on Hebrews chapter 11 because that's going to be our main, our main um, scripture for next week. But please understand, this cloud of witnesses is not just all people groups, but it's all Christians, all believers of all Time, past, present, and future. It's a hint to the communion of the saints next week. This cloud of witnesses proclaims his praises. That's thanksgiving for what he has done. This cloud of witnesses declares his wonders. That's worship for who he is. The church is the witness, the witness to the kingdom of God. I want to clarify something here just because some people mix this up. The church is not the kingdom of God. You're thinking realm, and that's not the definition we use. So I'll just ask the folks in the room, how, at Palmwood Church, how do we define kingdom? The rule and reign. See, they got it right. You can't hear it maybe, but they got it right. The rule and reign of Jesus. Nearly every reference in the New Testament that is translated kingdom is talking about the dominion of Jesus, not the domain of Jesus, not the physical realm. And so the church is not the kingdom, but the church is the one, the, the, the body that testifies to the kingdom. The church is, is a product of the kingdom, or maybe better to say a product of the king. The church is under the reign of Jesus. As a people who are called out, as a people who are called together, we surrender to King Jesus and thereby we enter into his kingdom. The church is the instrument of Christ's kingdom rule and reign. You see, we have the person, power, and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Go back to last week's message. We have been commissioned and therefore we are Christ's ambassadors. Through the Spirit, we manifest the power of the kingdom. Answered prayers, healings, deliverance, teaching with authority. We proclaim the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, the good news that Jesus reigns. 
We are the witnesses of the kingdom called to advance that rule and reign under the power of the Holy Spirit, heart by heart, soul by soul, person by person, throughout the whole world, which brings us to our next point. The church is called to a mission. We are called to extend the rule and reign of Jesus. We are kingdom laborers in that we as ambassadors are to go forward and take more heart territory for the kingdom rule and reign of Jesus. The church is the community of the saved, gathered together as a great and timeless cloud of witnesses on the mission to be the instrument that is, the, uh, that is calling the world to surrender to him as Savior and King. Knowing this, it becomes easy to see that the church of Jesus Christ is expressed or functions both locally and universally, which is the point of today's message. When we talk about the Catholic or universal church, we are talking about the church being the church on every level. Um, Jesus refers to the church throughout the Gospels in a singular way. The Apostle Paul in his missionary journeys, in the majority of his references to the church, he refers to the church in a singular way. Now, there are many local churches, but when he writes to the church, he writes to the church, singular. And I think it's really critical for us to understand that it really is one church expressed uniquely in different places in different ways. I knew this theologically coming out of seminary. But all of a sudden, I was overtaken by it on my first short-term missions trip. I've been on 17 of them over the years. We were in Japan, and I'm in this small church or small house that's been converted into a church with a small band of Japanese believers, and it was one of the sweetest worship experiences I've ever had in my entire life. And as I'm sitting there, not understanding a word, not a word of what they are saying. My heart is resonating with the worship that is going up. It's a different locality, but it's still very much the church of Jesus Christ. You see, in the New Testament, we have several different expressions. And, and the four that I'm going to give here are the ones that we see in Scripture. There are others today out in the world that are absolutely legitimate. You have house churches, Romans 16, verse 5, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. You have citywide churches, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, 2 Corinthians 1, 1, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1. Revelation 2 and 3, those two chapters, are several citywide churches. Those are the letters to the churches, are the letters to the churches of those specific cities. You have a regional church, Acts 1, 8, Acts 9, verse 31. Galatians 1, 2. People don't realize that Galatia is not a city. Galatia is a region. It's a regional church to whom Paul is, is writing. And then there's the worldwide church. John 3, 16. 
Ephesians 5, 25, 1 Corinthians 12, 28. Lots of different expressions of the church, but they are all one singular church. The church is made up from every ethnicity. I absolutely love the description in Revelation of Jesus' church because it basically gives every nuance of humanity from the smallest to the largest gathering. Did you hear it from Revelation chapter 5? The church is made up of those who are around the throne in heaven and are worshiping the church, his bride, made up of every tribe. Tribe. The smallest subgroup of a nation. In a tribe, very often there is um, a biological relationship within a tribe. You might even say a family line, a clan. The church is from every language. I love this. Every nuance of a group's communication, right down to the, the different dialects. I mean, if, if I were to, to speak to, so the Eshkol's family is here from, from India, so how many languages are there in India? <laughs> and then if you think about of the larger language, how many dialects within each of those languages? Uh, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And yet they're all represented around the throne. Every single one of them. The church is from every people. This, this speaks of the populace of a various region. The masses or the crowds. And then it goes to the big guns. From every nation, ethnic, every ethnicity, every people group. The church, friends, is beautifully diverse. And this diversity is intentional by our Savior. Every tribe, every language, every people, every nation. But at the very same time, the church is one. One. It's one church. Jesus explains that he makes his people a singular flock, even though they come from different backgrounds. John chapter 10, verses 14 through 16. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep, listen to this now, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. So they're of another group. I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus prays for this oneness, this, this unity to be among us, that it would impact the entire world. John chapter 17, the, the great high priestly prayer of our Savior, verses 21 through 23. I'll start with verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me and that they may be one as we are one. I am in them 
and you are in me, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Remember what Jesus said, the world will know that we are his disciples by what? How we love one another. The church is beautifully diverse, but we have to live out this oneness. We are called to do so. Ephesians 4, verse 3 through 6. Make every effort, says Paul, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is over all and through all and in all. Incredible diversity by God's design, and yet we are one in Christ. All of this is wrapped up in our understanding of the church universal. I believe in the holy, that is, set apart to God's purposes, Catholic, that is, universal, all ethnic, all people groups, church. And I do. And if ever there was something that our world needed to see put on vibrant display right now, it is the unified diversity of the church of Jesus Christ. The church is comprised of the saved. The church is called out and called together on a mission. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ with an intimate relationship with our Savior. The church is a timeless cloud of witnesses to the rule and reign of King Jesus. The church is the church no matter what size. The church is made up of every ethnicity and is at the very same time one church. Can you agree with me, friends, that this stuff that we're talking about here is absolutely essential to our Christian faith and the way that we express it? every single day. Let's pray. Father, with the events of the past several days, we feel so inadequate. And I, for one, have really trusted in the promise that when I don't know what to pray, the Spirit picks up the slack. But right now, Father, I just pray for your church. Jesus, your church, make us what we are supposed to be, Jesus. And that is our prayer. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Palmwood Podcast. If you'd like more information about Palmwood Church and its ministry, see our website at palmwoodchurch.com. Have a blessed day.